The Redneck Tech Podcast is brought to you by Mike'sArchery.com. They're a one-stop shop for virtually everything archery, bow hunting, and for your next outdoor adventure. Mike's Archery has been at the top of the archery game for over 50 years, and they want to give listeners of the Redneck Tech Podcast 10% off their entire online store using the code REDNECK10, all one word. Just put the code in before you check out, and your boys will hook you up. The guys at Mike's have always been good to us, and now they can be good to you too. Visit mikesarchery.com and get your gear now. Right here, right here, right here. Yeah. You want it? Yeah. All right, we're back. Episode 183 with Charles. Are you going to be Charles today or are you going to be Chuck? I'm afraid we're going to dabble in both sides of yeah, my persona. So the, so. The, the, the funny, you got to know kind of our group and some of our inside jokes. We have plenty of them. But Chuck, when he gets fired up, he's no longer Chuck. He's Charles. Yes. So um, I don't know if he's going to be Chuck Belmore today nah, or Charles I'll Belmore. Be, I'll be Chuck today. I try not to pull on Charles unless somebody's beat me out of something. You know. Usually. Well, I don't know. We've been beat out of a few things. Yeah, well, hopefully not today. Yeah. Every, today's a good day so far. Yeah, so now, far. it's not over with, so no. it could happen at any moment. Well, I mean, you, you got to drive back through Atlanta today, so Charles might come out. Well, luckily, we'll be all right with that. <laughs> it's going to be okay. So, um, Chuck came up today to finish shooting some interviews for an upcoming Make It Happen show that will air. I don't know. we got to talk about that. Um, probably very soon, hopefully in the next couple days, week to ten days at least. Um, Chuck wanted it today. We shot. We shot flying carp with a shotgun, and it was awesome. Um, one of the most fun trips that we've done, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things that you cannot enjoy. Uh, even when I was just driving the boat watching y'all shoot, I just had an absolute ball. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's just from the sheer fact of stuff's getting blasted with a shotgun <laughs> or if it's the fact of how many times in my life I thought, how cool would it be to blast these fish with a shotgun if it was legal? And we finally so, found a way to make it legal. Exactly. And legal, for sure legal. We right. triple checked. Because yes. I had a couple of people, I sent it to Dudley. Yeah. I sent one of those clips to Dudley, and he goes, did uh, you check on the legality of that? Because <laughs> he's he's legal, legal too. Right. And um, I'm like, oh, yeah, we called the game warden and everything. We're good to go. So, um, And then we shot some Silencer Central videos that um, those will get done here pretty quick. But they put those out as they want them. We don't have any control over when they go out. But um, Ryer and I have been talking, and Clay and – me and Chuck have talked for 10 years now of knowing each other about kind of the state of the hunting industry because that's what we, you know, make most of our money in. And it's changed so much over the last 10 years for sure, but over the last, since COVID, the most. Um, things have really just changed. And I don't know if it's for the better or for the worse. Um, I think that there's, a lot of factors, and, and and unfortunately on this podcast, we're probably not going to solve all the problems, but we're going to talk about some of the things that we see so you guys can give your feedback on what you think. But um, And maybe have a little bit of a insider perspective on some of the happenings. Yeah, because, you know, one of the biggest questions, and I think what we should start with is just as general marketing in, in the outdoor space and how much it's changed. But, like, I asked you guys a question at lunch today is – what is one way, if you can put your finger on it, or a surefire way, or the most effective, I think that was the way I put it, the most effective way 
to you, market to you guys. You asked what makes us buy things. What basically. makes you buy things? Like, like what, what's the most effective what, way? What kind of marketing is? So got let's you let's kind of go through that answer because we pretty much all three had the same answer. Yeah, we'll let you start, Ryan. <clears throat> all right. Um, I would say that the most effective marketing for me personally is usually seeing a product in use and spoken about by. Um, I'll say an influencer. I hate saying that because I think that term has dirtied itself oh, over the years. Well, it um, went from pro staff, which was terrible, right. to now then it was it was something else, and now it's influencer. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm gonna say oh, it was ambassador, brand ambassador, brand ambassador. That was there it. we go. Yeah, I'm gonna say influencer. Um, but what I really mean is probably like a subject matter expert. Well, that's who, what it should be. Yeah, who presents their knowledge on an Instagram, on a YouTube, on a... Obviously, if you're into cameras, you've probably been to a forum. Um, but I'm going to say the most effective marketing tool for me uh, that's gotten me is seeing uh, one of those people using and talking positively about a product that relates directly to um, something that I'm interested in, obviously. So whether that is camera gear, whether that is um, editing gear or software, um, whether that sometimes it's bike stuff, um, I honestly don't get served a whole lot of hunting stuff, so I I can't speak to like what what the hunting space is doing in in terms of that because I don't get fed that through my algorithms very much simply because I don't consume a whole ton of hunting media. I just had a, I'm not going to say, but it's still outdoorsy head, though, yeah. huh? Just say I was going to make a joke. Don't no, make a ahead. joke. It's something about goth girls, but nothing. I was just going to keep oh. going. <laughs> just let that fly. Like, like water on a duck. Yeah, just, just let it roll off. Just roll that one off. Um, Jesus Christ. But I would say that. And, like, sometimes <laughs> Sorry. sometimes Instagram ads will get me. But uh, generally, generally what happens is I'll get an Instagram ad for something that's related to something that I like uh, or do often. And then... I might like click through to the website just to get a general idea of what it is, what that thing is. Uh, and then usually I'll go and like look up that genre of product uh, or that thing on an Amazon or on a YouTube or somewhere and see what people are saying about it. Um, because I, I don't usually just go buy something. I yeah. usually research things ad nauseum. You can ask anybody who knows me. Uh, I, I usually overdo the researching on on stuff before i buy it it depends so. on what it is but sometimes i feel like i go a little overboard and sometimes i buy things I'm like oh, i really wish i had research this a little bit more yeah but you buy more things off of instagram ads than i think most of the people so right i guess yeah you get got a lot segue into me i i do get got sometimes for sure um but i also like to be the guy that because i guess back up i only buy things like big ticket items is if i know someone that I trust has them. And then once I know that they have them, then I'll do my research on YouTube or forums or wherever, make a couple phone calls. Like if I want a new pair of, you know, a new pair of boots or a new this or a new that, new, no matter what it is, um, or a pack or something, like I'll call Mike Hearn or I'll call, you know, like Chris Trujillo, like what boots does he like, you know, because and it's all very subjective because people's feet are different. People, you know, are taller, shorter, whatever. But, you know, I definitely do that, but on some things like lower ticket items, like Instagram 
does get me. And they do a good job with an ad. I feel like it's going to make me 1% better than I'll spend the, you know, usually under 100 bucks on something to try it. Because usually I like to be the the authority on something when somebody says, hey, you, I saw you had that. How do you like it? Because I like to be that guy that people ask too. Because there's been some things that I, which, I mean, Ryer knows this, I have a very strong opinion on some things. And, uh, and, and he doesn't agree with me on some, and I know other people that don't agree with me on some. Like, for instance, I bought a pair of crispy boots because Dudley told me he loved them. And I was in the market for a pair of boots. I bought the crispy Thors, bought them, literally did a hike with them. I almost didn't finish the hike because my feet hurt so bad. 220-something-odd pair of boots. I gave them to Ryer. He adored them. You you literally have blown those up. You've used them so much. Yeah, I used them for two and a half solids. But seasons. I don't think it has anything to do with the product. I just think it was my feet are different than Ryer's feet. I have very sensitive, weak, wimpy feet. Apparently, Ryer likes to walk on two-by-fours all the time because that's what I felt like I was walking on was two-by-fours. But if you would have watched like a review... the power transfer. If right. you would have watched a review of me on those boots, you would have been like, I'm not buying those boots. Right. But if you'd watched Ryer's review, you'd have been like, I love those boots. I'm absolutely spending the money. So there's 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 some you've got to put weight behind that and you gotta use your your brain and use your own two cents. But you know, when I asked that question, I want well, I'm, I'm gonna let Chuck answer first too, because I think you kind of had a perspective on it as well. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of the conspiracy theorist on purchases. Uh, you know, once bitten, twice shy kind of guy. But like I told you guys earlier, uh, I will fall for the Instagram ads or the Facebook ads, um, but I think it's kind of a two-part uh, hook for me. It's not just going to be that ad. Um, a lot of the stuff, <clears throat> you know, I'm like you in in, in a sense, and Ryer, um, the ads get me. They get my attention. They get me to look at it. So whether it's a cool picture or, you know, it's a flashy price that, you know, where I see something, I'm going, well, dang, that's a good value, you know, for that price. If it works, that's a good value. Um, you know, chances are, do I need it? Probably not. I don't need At this point in my hunting career, I've pretty much got everything I need. Now it's just a want, um, whether it be something, like I said, that makes me feel like it's, cooler than the one that was here last year or one that might better my odds just a little bit or something. But once that ad gets my attention, then I'll just go a step further. And I'll most of the time I go straight to YouTube and whatever I'm looking for, I'll put in YouTube and then I'll watch, you know, the top three or four rated videos for that. And in those videos, um, I found that a lot of people are brutally honest, um, on YouTube. And the reason I, I shy away from like Ryer says, he looks at the, I hate to say it too, the influencers, um, is because I know how the people can be bought and sold. And I've seen so many people flip-flop on brands. It's this this year, this is the best they've ever seen. The next year, these are trash. These are the best I've ever seen. Yeah. And I'm not saying that can't happen. Like you said with the boots, you know, if they told me they were going to give me $10,000, before I got my hands on those boots, I would say, these are the best boots ever. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. But afterwards, I'd be like, these might work for you. They might not. I'm yeah. not going to lie to somebody yeah. and tell them they're the best ever, but at the same time, they might not be for me. But I've seen so many influencers flip-flops. I'm a, I'm a little nervous on that. So I'll take it a step further and go to YouTube, and then I start Googling it and trying to figure out, you know, how many people are dogging this out or how many people are saying it actually does what it says it well, does. Well, sometimes in the YouTube comments, you can learn more oh, than you can in the freaking reviews. Well, same thing with face, uh, Facebook and Instagram. I mean, you can look at the comments, and a lot of times – you know, you have your occasional haters, but a lot of times people, if they've had a bad experience, they're, going, they're, they're looking out for you, you know. They've got burnt, so they don't want you to get burnt. So um, that's kind of my two cents on it, you know, and, and it's 
I, I don't want to get jump ahead of ourselves, but it's just that's part of it. You don't mm-hmm. really know what to believe anymore because some of these guys are getting a paycheck, and a lot of the guys that are quote unquote famous or or big time influencers, their opinions are skewed according to how much money's rolling in every mm-hmm. month. Well, and and I think that kind of gently rolls into what I wanted to talk to you about next. And I will you know, also I wanted to okay go this ahead before we moved on because I think this is maybe odd that. I don't know how many people do this, but I I actually Google genres of products a lot, and I go like best, I don't know, best on camera lav mics, mm-hmm. and then usually there's probably three, four, five sites who have like compiled a list of the different options, and I kind of look at what websites they are, if it's a website that um, <clears throat> is fairly reputable that usually. Um, has good information, I'll look at that one, and I'll look at another one, and I'll look at another one, and I'll go and see, okay, what products are consistently getting recommended by multiple websites? Um, what products are a- am I seeing the most? And usually they, they'll review the product, and they'll say, here's the pros, here's the cons, this, that, and the other, and you can kind of, like, conglomerate all of the opinions and then take that and go to YouTube and go, all right, so I'm thinking X, Y, and Z might be my best options. Let's go see what people are saying about that too. Yeah, yeah. I had somebody ask me. Um, oh, they, Chad on the other day on the podcast asked me if articles were still valuable, and that right there just shows you that they are. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's maybe it's a, comp- a compilation article that reviews a bunch of different products, but I mean, I think that they they do have value. But kind of what I wanted to talk to you next is kind of along the same lines is like okay, you know. N- Let's just let's just talk about hunting specifically. But if we talked about just media in general, there's just the mar- market is completely and utterly flooded, um, and ninety ish percent is mostly throwaway content. It's little shorts. It's little. It's pictures. It's something that to get somebody's attention to what what we're talking about. Drive them somewhere else if they've put a little thought into it, which is another thing we've talked about a bunch. A lot of times people are putting pieces out there just to stay relevant versus posting a, a video that drives you to a YouTube, that drives you to an article that makes you buy, or ver- vice versa, you know, or, or some sort of process. But the question I had that we talked about that we've had forever is how do you create content in this arena? Just if we're just talking about hunting specifically, we're not talking about in general. How do you get through the white noise that is the 9 million people that are out there with a cell phone that are creating content? And the, the honest answer for me is, I don't know. Um, how, how do you create something, unless you're, unless you're doing something completely off the wall or different or in a different way or with a, this type of personality or... And I'm not even talking about episodic content. I'm just talking about content in general. Instagram posts, videos, YouTube. Like, why, what is, why are only a handful getting the viewership versus everybody else scraping for what's left over? Yeah. Well, I think a lot of it's the powers that be, you know. Um, <clears throat> whether they're tapped into a certain algorithm um, from the get-go, you know, or not. I think because some of the things that you see, you're like, that's horrible. But yet it goes damn near viral, mm-hmm. you know. And you're like, well, this is crazy. But then even like I know with some of our stuff, 
what I think might be awesome, and we put out there, and it like gets a couple eyeballs on it. And then you do some crazy shot cam video, mm-hmm. and you shoot a turkey, and just it body slams him, and it goes viral. And you're like, wait a minute, I just filmed this beautiful, you know, deer or elk or whatever, you know, with a $10,000 camera and, you know, just the beautiful, the most perfect episode ever you've seen. And nobody gives a crap about it. But yet you show a cell phone video or a shot cam video or some something random. Of, you know, even, I mean, I've seen some of these game camera videos, a guy shooting a deer with on a game camera, and it just goes crazy. And it's almost like, what? or who is picking what is fed to the masses. But here's the thing, that just to, to, to caveat that, I guess, say you have a game camera video of a deer getting shot that goes viral. That's great. Virality is, it is what it is. Right. Say it gets 5 million views. Did that sell anything for anybody? That's it. That's that right there. To is, me, that goes back to the, the Insta Huntresses and the, the influencers and right. all of it is like, are they getting views? Absolutely. Are they getting impressions? Absolutely. Is it translating to moving the needle in sales? I don't think it is. But let me play devil's advocate, and this is something we've all talked about. In this arena that we're in today, um, let's look back, and let's look at where we come from first. And that's something you always got to do no matter what what, what you're talking about. Look where we come from. We come from um, night and hell on TV, blowing an easy grunter, shooting 115, 120-inch deer in Kentucky on Sunday night to Bass Pro selling 1,500 of those grunt calls the next Monday morning, okay? They immediately could see they'll move the needle, Mm -hmm. okay? Um, Night and Hell could see, you know, we ran that episode last night, and this week we sold every grunt call we ever made. Yeah, they're calling us. They want more. Right, everybody's freaking out you know same with primos you talk to jimmy primos you know like um i had dinner with him one night when he was in atlanta and we was doing a show together me him and cuz and some other guys and he was talk, telling me about the uh, can that they had the easy wheezy yep well the little yeah the little can and he was telling me about how many thousands of them that that they were trying to get from i think it was germany it was overseas because people were buying them faster than they could get them. And the markup, I want to say it was like, they were making like seven bucks a can or something. It was insane. Mm-hmm. And uh, Walmart called him up, and, and Walmart told him, um, I think he was telling me, like they wanted to sell, it was either 30000 to Walmart at first, and Walmart said, there ain't no way. And they said, we'll give you, if you don't want to buy 30000 and I could have the numbers wrong, but it was a lot. And, and Walmart said, no, we don't want them. And so they said, hang on, let's just, let us give you these to try and then they basically gave them to them on consignment and walmart card back and said that like they wanted you know every, them, how many yeah, yeah, yeah every one of them they had and they're like hold up we got something here but but what i'm saying is you could instantly see what worked and what didn't work yeah. in the early days even with michael and and nick and and lee and tiff and all those guys you could see in bass pro and cabela's the next day what what people ingested on sunday night you know or that season rather i mean mm-hmm. you could see what was happening well, nowadays, you go back to like Ryer was saying, well, now you see a little snippet on here. Well, you leave there. You go to five other websites and look at their best of. You compile the three top best of there. You leave there and go to YouTube, and then you look at the three top brands that you just found. Well, then after that, you go, what do you do after that? You Google shopping. 
and then you now you find the best price. Well, just like me, I don't always buy the best price because I don't trust them people. Mm-hmm. So I'll look at somebody I've bought before. Like if you're buying camera gear, you look at B&H. If you're buying something, you know, shooting-wise, you look at Bass Pro Cabela's or just whatever. Um, you're always kind of – you kind of look through there. So what actually drove you to – Say it's B and H to drive that. To There's buy no that. way of really knowing. There's no way of tracking it. So, yeah. I think, like we've said before, a lot of these marketing guys, they're just kind of sitting there going, you know, I don't really know what works, but something's working. But we're going to try and bump these numbers up, these compression right. numbers up as high as we can possibly get them. Right. And that's got to translate into sales. When I just right. don't think that's the case. And well, I think I think what you're also highlighting there more than the fact that it's not trackable is that in order to generate those sales your marketing approach cannot be one-dimensional right and 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 i think now even more there's so many dimensions to uh a comprehensive marketing strategy whereas you know maybe 20 40 years ago there wasn't right in the 80s you would have tv you got newspapers, you got magazine, and you've got radio. Okay, so you got four, and uh, you know billboards and stuff like that. But you've got a quantifiable amount of avenues, a manageable that, amount of avenues that that's not you manageable can, anymore. That you can say, okay, we're going to run this yeah, ad on TV. We're going to do this on right. the radio. We're going to do this, and any successful marketing campaign, even back then, with fewer avenues, was measurable. Was it was yep. measurable, and they're utilizing as many avenues as made sense, right? Um, fast forward to today, there are so many avenues, uh, and a lot of the times, I think that the hunting industry does not create a comprehensive web because it takes time and work and effort and planning and a knowledge of all of these things. And overseeing and following through and right. answering your phone, all the things that we've mm-hmm. talked about forever and ever and ever. And, and so a lot of the times, I mean, their, their plan is, well, let's just give it to a bunch of influencers. Yeah. Right. Or let's, well, let's make, you know, let's run this one ad or we're going to do this one sale, and it's not that anymore. I mean, you've got to get your product in the hands of influencers, but probably, you know, I think things are shifting now to what they would call micro-influencers or um, subject matter experts, right? You need your product in the hands of those people. You need your product in the hands of photographers and videographers who can take pictures for you to use on your social media, for you to use as a thumbnail to the YouTube video for the, for the release and then maybe a series of explainer videos about that new product, you need to um, maybe probably be getting your product in the hands of writers um, to get them to write articles. Um, you need it on your website. And, I mean, that's only half of it. Do you think, as complicated as it's gotten, because I can't imagine how easy it could have been back in the day when there was only essentially four channels of places Also, to there's like 50 million social media apps yeah. that you got to worry about. So... Do you think that's why there's because in this industry, if you're not aware, the turnover in marketing people is crazy. So, do you think that's got something to do with it? That there's just that it, it that's it's too much, or it's too much for one person, or 
They're I, throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks and nothing's sticking. I think it. I honestly think that for the most part, it probably has to do with a variety of things. I think that um, for the most part, I don't think hunting companies. And of course, you know, we're making very blanket statements. There are companies that do it right, oh, yeah. and there There's are companies that have people in place that are smart and strategic and understand these things. Um, so obviously, you know, I always feel like we have to make that caveat because somebody would be like, wow, not all hunting companies. Yes, not all hunting companies. But I think for the most part, they're not giving, they're not putting up a salary range that's going to attract a person who has the skills and knowledge to be able to oversee something like that. And I think oftentimes they are hiring somebody to do like social media instead of marketing. I mean, think back to the eighties. Well, marketing was a, was a team effort that firms oh, used to do. 100%. I mean, there was a marketing firm and there still is now like a no, company goes, much. a company goes to a marketing firm and says, this is our company. This is our product. This is what we're trying to sell. How do we do that? Yeah, help and us. then, the marketing firm has a team of people they put on that project and they go, here's all the things that we see right now because we're in the marketing space that are working. Here's how much money it's going to cost or if this is your budget, we could do X, Y, Z. And then that marketing firm uh, figures out how to gather the assets to uh, distribute among whatever media outlets and people that they decided that this plan should take place. And I think right now, a lot of, and I think this is just generally, people think that you could just hire somebody who does social media and suddenly your marketing is taken care of. And that's not true. Mar social media is a piece of the marketing. Social media is a marketing tool. Social media isn't marketing. Marketing is uh, a much broader scope of figuring out how do we sell our company and our products to the consumers that need and want them. Yeah. And yep. you use social media for that. But as a tool, you use it as a tool. It takes a lot more it takes it takes a lot more uh effort, it takes a lot more time, it takes a lot more resources, um, both monetarily and um like people wise to be able to accomplish that. And I think a lot of companies just aren't doing that because they don't want to pay the money for it. Well, it goes back to what we've said a million times, too, is that the hunting industry is a very nostalgic, legacy-oriented business, you know. Um, and we use the term all the time, subject matter experts. What, you know, I always, I hate to say it, I'm getting to be that old man, but I look and go, what happened? What changed? What worked before? What can we incorporate now to, to solve problems that we're having now that the problems, even though they wasn't around before, how did they solve these type of issues? And you hit on some good points. Um, your subject matter experts used to be behind the counter. You know, when you walked into a sporting goods store and your dad didn't know something, who'd you go to? You went up to the counter and said, hey, man. I need to know what bullet I need to use for this because I'm going on an elk hunt next week. Or I need to know what boots you would recommend. I need to know this, and I need to know that. What changed? Well, 
a lot of things changed, you know, the, the, of course the internet, you know, and people shopping online and things like that, but also it got to be where now people just don't know. They don't, you know, who's working in these stores. Do they have the passion like we have? And that goes back to what you said in the beginning. Are we trying to sell something that is unsellable? You know, are we looking for people that have the, the amount of passion to appreciate what you create and you create and I create and I want to create, are we looking for people that it's that small percentile of the population that's going to appreciate that when we should be looking at the other 92% that says, you know, I don't really care what boots I got. I'm only going to wear them two days out of the year instead of the guys that are going to wear them two months out of the year. You know, so that's, that's kind of the questions I have is like, okay, well, if we take, if, if we don't have passionate people, from from whether it be marketing, whether it be behind the counter, to the guy signing the check, the big check, the CEO, the the you know the head rat. If they're not passionate about hunting, that's that's what went wrong. That's where we got astray in this whole deal. And and I've heard people say it all the time. If you're more about making a buck than killing a buck, you're in the wrong business. And I feel like that's honest to God, the the truth, you know, because like all of us, yeah, we want to make money, but you turn out a hell of a job offer this year. Yeah. And it wasn't all about the money. But that's, I mean, that's the whole reason we did the call is, you know, we got into this, I got into production because I was passionate about hunting and I, I wanted to tell cool stories and, you know, we've done, you know, 11 years in television but it was it all it all came back to you know I grew up playing baseball and hunting and I wanted to do a job I wanted to have a job doing one of the two, and hunting was was the was the one, but it's getting to the point now that you know we we always preach on this podcast about telling stories and we like telling hard long form stories and the reason we did the call is because no one else had done something like that we wanted to be able to do that, but Ryan and I had a conversation about. You know, we want to tell long-form stories. We want to do series. We want to do, you know, long-form shows, documentaries, films, whatever. But is that what the market wants right now? And I'm starting to think that it's not. It, and, and that was the question that he, that Ryer asked is like, are we creating a product that people want to buy? I think, I think down deep they do. Mm-hmm. But I think what they feel is moving the needle or what actually might be moving the needle, which is that's also hard for us to to cope with too, because we've also had this conversation. We don't like creating throwaway content. We will. We can do it with the, the best of them. Mm-hmm. But as my grandmother says, if we had our druthers, that's not what we want to do. We want to tell long form stories. So we have to we have to have that conversation and we're we're currently having that hard conversation with ourselves is what we do at Copeland Creative and what we teach on Redneck Tech is that valuable to our clients and/or potential customers anymore? And and as of right now, as it sits, if you had to ask me, now had to give you a yes or no, I don't think it is because series are getting more and more difficult to get support. But to go do ten reels for a company, eat it up, eat it up. When and, can you get them done? Yeah, and yeah. and 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 the answer to that question is really quickly. Yeah, because it's a heck of a lot cheaper to do ten reels than it is to do a series. But it's mind numbing for creatives at, at some point. But you have to ask yourself too, um, like we said earlier, these people that are in these positions, 
God knows I love a lot of them, and I've been through a ton of them, like you said. Marketing marketing people have a high turnover rate. But a lot of them, I feel like, are kind of the sacrificial lamb, you know. Um, just like we don't know really what's working, what's moving the needle, I feel like a lot of the powers that be don't know what's working and what's moving the needle. So if they come in in this year, like you said, post-COVID, they're not hitting the numbers. Well, then what do they do? Oh, it must be the marketing guy's fault, you know, yeah. or it must be the sales guy's fault. Oh, that's fault. the first guy that gets yeah, the action, yeah. the marketing so, guy. So the marketing budget gets hacked. Well, then if the budget, if they can't balance the budget and then he can't, you know, make the numbers go up, then he or she gets hacked. And you're sitting there going, well, you know, it might not really be their fault because we had the outdoor industry had the best two years it's ever had in history because of COVID. So how are, how are you going to judge this year and say, oh, we're down, we're down, we're down? I understand you're down, but if a guy bought five packs of broadheads last year because he was, or the last year of COVID, because he had all the deer season off, guess what? He doesn't have to buy broadheads this year, yeah. you know? So so that's not, you know, where is that bounce back? Is it bouncing back in two years or is it bouncing back in, you know, three years? I don't know because it's an unprecedented event. But when you look at the questions that people have about what, what is going to make us more money uh, marketing-wise, I don't think anybody's got the right answer. No, I don't, I don't think there is an answer, honestly. Yeah. But I think it's, it keeps going back to what you said. is, And, and I think that's the, that might be not the answer, but the, the revelation that some of these companies might need is you've got to get back to the passion of it. You've got to get back to the, the why. Do we, did we do this in the first place? Genuineness. Genuineness. You've got yeah. to have people I mean, that's what are we did. genuine. That, that, the call was that was a, what it was all about. We wanted to tell a story, a genuine story that was not influenced by outside sources because that's how we thought it should be told. And I think that there's, you know, I mean, not, not tooting our own horn, but I think there's a lot of value in that, that companies just – you know, aren't willing to get behind. They're not willing to put marketing dollars behind something that isn't putting, you know, a product in your face or whoring it out in some well, way. So this is, I'd like to say this at this point because I think that this is important for kind of where you're going with this. So a lot of my thoughts that you were talking about came from, I, you know, we've, we've been having a lot of business talks um, this past week. Uh, there's been a lot of shifts and stuff going on that have caused us to go, let's, you know, take a look at what we're doing uh, and what we want to be doing and what we should be doing, mm -hmm. right? Um, not only from a, you know, obviously what we want to be doing from a uh, personal perspective, but what is a wise business thing to be doing? Because at the end of the day, it's a business. So, you know, uh, you've got... X amount of guys that are all getting a salary. We've got this building that needs upkept. We've need, you know, it costs money to run uh, a business, and unfortunately, businesses don't run on passion. So you got to figure out, okay, how do we how do we make enough money to uh, do all these things and grow like how we want and and keep moving forward like we always talk about doing. Um, and so I was thinking, you know we always talk on this podcast about, okay, we don't like, we don't like short form. We don't like reels. We want to be telling these long, extensive, deep stories. Um, and I think like you said it, which kind of caused me to think about it was 
um, are we are we so close to what we want to be doing that we are putting the blinders on and continuing to try to bust down a door that's not going to open for us, right? Are we being so stubborn in what we want to do that we are uh, missing out on opportunities and approaches uh, that are contrary because, you know, we're all stubborn and we all want to do a certain thing. Um, so I got to thinking and looking and researching and, and really diving into, okay, the companies that seem to be moving the needle, that seem to be getting the recognition, that seem to be putting money into marketing, what are they doing? And the more I dig into it, the more I see short form, short form, short form, short form, whether that is shorter YouTube videos, whether that's reels, whether that's, you know, whatever it may be. But all these companies are putting money into that. And not only that, like you said, those pieces are by far and away, I would say 80% largely driven by a product, right? Um, well, that's how they and, justify it. Right, and and I got to thinking too, okay, well, that kind of makes sense because even outside of the hunting industry, you look at the content that brands put out, that companies who sell products and services um, put their money behind, and it's that type of content. The type of content that we want to make is not generally funded by companies. The type of content that we're passionate about, that we consume, that we want to make, is traditionally, outside of this industry, funded by uh, TV studios, movie studios, um, streaming services now, uh, and independent donors sometimes with documentaries, right? Organizations that have a cause and a story to tell. Um, And they fund those things because the streaming services make money uh, off of people paying a subscription. The TV companies make money off of them having a large viewer base and then selling that viewer base to uh, brands who want to advertise on that network. Movies make money by people going and buying tickets to movie theaters, to buying DVDs. And so in that realm where storytelling and entertainment and feelings and emotions are important and all of the things that we're very passionate about long form, um, all of that stuff is funded by basically a type and group of, of companies that doesn't exist in the hunting industry. The TV channels don't pay for content. <laughs> you pay, pay the that. TV channels, yes, yeah. which so, is why, and we've had this conversation, oh we God. won't go through it again, but that's why every hunting show is a giant infomercial because the TV channel is not getting approached by a production company as is traditional in every other TV channel ever uh, where the production company says, hey, we've got this really cool story, this really cool idea for a show. We made a pilot. Here it is. Do you guys like it? And the, 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 the TV channel goes, yeah, we really like that. We think it'd be great on our network. We'll pay you guys to do it. And then they recoup their money by the advertisements, right? Okay, so there's not that. So we can't go to a TV network and pitch an idea for a show, for a long-form show, all right? 
well, is there a streaming service? No, every single streaming service that exists is basically one of the TV channels just being like, hey, you can watch our stuff online. Or a, a, uh, a TV service that wants you to give them your content for free because you'll get views from it, and those views act as numbers that you, the show, can sell to your sponsors. Which is BS, you know, usually. Right. Yeah. You look at the rent track numbers, which, yeah. you know, nobody can tell me that that's not manipulated bunch of garbage. Yeah. Right. So whether, again, it be a, whether it be a network or whether it be a streaming service, each one of them manipulate and create different numbers. And it's weird. Um, some of the people I've had conversations with on different streaming services, they're like, well, how many views do y'all get for this? And I'll tell them, they're like, we get the same, we get the same amount. I'm like, really? What'd you get for April? We got the same amount. I'm like, hmm, odd. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it's, right. it's BS. I mean, it really is. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and two different, I mean, a fishing show compared to a hunting show, you know, and you're telling mm-hmm. me that turkey hunting is getting as much as fishing in April? Bull crap. Right. This should be just the opposite, you know? So, yeah. um, so yeah. again, you're, you're up a creek without a paddle. Right, because and you're at the mercy of someone else's numbers that they're yeah. using. And I think that that kind of caused me to think about, well, until the hunting industry changes, till the hunting media industry, and by that I mean the channels, the maybe the streaming services, uh, whatever else, changes and adapts a new funding model, the hunting industry will continue to not prioritize storytelling because at the end of the day, when brands put money into content, they want that content to market their product. Whereas if a, a studio or a network pays for, for a concept, ultimately they want that concept to be entertaining. They want it to tell a story that captivates and keeps people coming back. Where that they're, they're two different motivations. Right. The and entertainment now is for more brand awareness than anything. Right. That's all it is. I mean, it's not it's not for like you said, it's not for storytelling. It's not for I mean, I wouldn't say it's not for some type of entertainment, but it's for brand awareness. It's for this specific product, you know, whether it be a cooler or it be some type of clothing or boots or a call or or whatever, which is fine. I mean, if I'm you know, if I'm one of those guys that's making those products, I'm not paying for something that's not showing my product. You know, that's that's why I'm paying you to use yeah, it. Yeah, that's you know? why. It's, that's what's and in their head. That perception of the reality thing has not caught hold to very many companies in this business. No. And, I, I mean, I think I think if we're being completely honest, I don't know if it's caught hold to a majority of companies everywhere. No, I agree. There's a very, very, very small group of companies, and most of them are hyper-successful, right? You're talking about your Fortune 500 companies. Your, your Apples, your Yetis. Who your, understand yeah, that, Red right? Bulls. And have the money to put into that. Black Rifle. Yeah, Black Rifle. They've done really well at it, too. But by far and away, that's not how the majority of the companies operate. And so, you know, I think looking at ourselves, you're like, okay, well, we want to tell these stories in the hunting space, but there's no place for them. There's no way to get them funded. Mm -hmm. So So how do do you do it? Yeah. So what do we do? Yeah. This is my motto. Yeah. Stay 100% true. Stay genuine. Stay who you are. You know, you can't change with every time the wind blows because the only thing you got to sell is yourself. 
and and I feel like that's been Michael T Bone Nick, you know Lee and Tiff. Um, who else? I mean, the Duck Commanders. You look now; they jump ship a few times on some shotguns, yeah. But as far as being like it or lump it, kind of, this is what we're going to stick with. They stuck with it. You yeah. know what I mean? They made it work. And you know they had to have those conversations where somebody come in there and said, hey, I know Hoyt's paying you this, but we'll double it Yeah, if you'll jump ship. And, you know, they had to sit back and go, wait a minute, we shot these guys for 10 years. They've stuck with us, you know, through thick and thin, gave us our start. We're going to stay here. You know, and I think that that gives you that credibility to where – you're that subject matter expert. Yeah, I mean, point. let me look at Waddell. I mean, he's yeah. been with Realtree since the beginning. He's been yeah. with Hoyt since the beginning. He's been with Easton since the beginning. You know, there's there's something to there's something to be said about that. Yeah. There's something to be said about somebody who's not only stood behind companies that probably have went through good and bad times. And you know, and one you know, one year Hoyt might not have had the best bow. Right. One year they did. Yeah, they might have had some limbs blowing yeah. up, but he yeah. stuck with them. He didn't bail. Yeah, you know. Um, Prime example for him this week when I was in Kansas City at the uh, Waterfowl Festival. Talking to a guy, he comes up, he's talking something. I don't even know how Waddell got brought up about turkey calling. Mm-hmm. And I said, dude, I said, he is a machine. Like, I said, you know, um, and this was an older guy, and I said, you know what blows my mind? I can remember, you know, one year in, in uh, I think it was at the Buckarama, if I ain't mistaken, it might have been the turkey ram, I don't know. But it was in Georgia. And somebody come up to him and said, you know, I can't make a call sound like you do, blah, blah, blah. And I'll never forget, he reached, and he just reached over there and pulled one off the shelf, and it was, I mean, off the rack where he was at. And it was like a double read or something. I'm, just, You know, because I'm detail-oriented. Like, I'm watching, you know, seeing what the hell this guy's doing. He puts it in his mouth, and, I mean, it was flawless. And I was just like, how did he make that call sound that good? Mm-hmm. Well, then after that, he's like, but this is the one, you know, this is just normal one, but this is the one that we come out with this year. And he reached over and he gets the good one, you know. He had the cheap one first, gets the good one. And it's like, it was just as, I mean, it was as, as good as that other one. And I'll never forget thinking, holy crap, that's that's real deal. Mm-hmm. Like, if you can take the cheap junk and make it sound that good, you know, that's awesome. Because, you know, I don't know anybody can run a, a dang two-read call and make it sound like that. But he did it. And I, me and this guy was talking about this weekend. He said, oh, yeah. He said, we were at a show somewhere. And he said, he took one of them Primo Salutors and pulled it right out of the package. And he said, I was like, holy crap. This guy's a real deal. And I'm like, but that's what we don't have anymore. Very when somebody, when Yeah, when somebody's flipping through Instagram, they don't go, that guy's a real deal or that chick's the real deal. You know what I mean? They're just like, I wonder how much they're getting paid. Look mm-hmm. at how many followers they got. Oh, they got 30,000 followers. Or the one guy who's killed one big deer, one big elk, and he's staked his entire career on that one big deer, that right. one big elk, and he's the one that you need to listen to because he got lucky one time. Anybody can kill a big deer or a big elk. I got enough money. Yeah. Anybody. Oh, yeah. I've been to the places. I've right. seen it with You've my own it, eyes. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's not – consistency. It's, it's not – yeah, it's, it's – they're consistently getting it done. They're doing the work. They're putting in the time. But, I mean, the more – and. Uh, and here's another here. All right, to segue. We've talked about this, and we're going to talk about series that are doing well. Let's talk about like Seek One and Hunting Public. Uh, I don't, I don't watch any. Just full disclosure, I don't watch either one of them, just because I don't have time to watch them. Um, if I'm going to sit down and watch a series, it's going to be like a Netflix, HBO mm-hmm. type series. But if I talk to anybody under the age of 45, that's who they bring up. Those two are in the southeast. You go out west, it's going to be Hushin or born born and raised. 
those are really the four right now. I guess Chris B and then Dudley, but those are the you know the handful that have got traction that people are watching that they're getting views. Those are the mega channels. Those are the mega channels. Um, those are your like. But those here's are your Waddell's and Land Tiffs. Talking the to age. talking to that guy from Jackson EMC this morning. Perfect example. He was asking me what I did, and I uh, tell him he's like, "Oh man, you work with the guys at Seek One." It's the first thing he asked me. I was like, "No, I know one of their producers." Or some of their producers, and I know I know the guys. I mean, we're you know we're friendly or whatever. I was like, but you know we've never really done any work with them. You know, he's like, you know, we thought it was really cool. He's like, man, but I just I don't get some of this stuff. He's like, I've been hunting with the same Remington seven hundred forever. And he's like, you know, I'll pay good money for glass, but I don't need an extra another gun or, you know, I've got a I got a Bowtech. It ain't mm-hmm. a Matthews or this that, and the other, but I shoot good with it. I'm like, dude, that's all you need. Yep. You know, and 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 he and I was like, you know, I'm guilty of it too. Of if, if, you know, being a guy that creates content to try and get you to buy this over that. I was like, but you got to, you know, do what makes you happy. And for most, for most people, you're going to buy whatever your local shop's got. Right. Because you want to touch it and feel it. You know, if you're not close to a Bass Pro shop, it's a, it's a, it's a whatever mom and pop's there. Mm-hmm. You know, the, and, and whatever they have dealers, you know, that sell. You know, whether it's a Regara, whether it's, which Remington's not really around anymore, whether it's a Winchester, whether it's a Mossberg, whatever it is. Um, but you know, what are we, why are those doing well and why are only those doing well? Is it the production? Is it their uniqueness? Is it timing? Is it their staying power? Because both of them have been around for years now. Um, and I think that's got a lot to do with it. You know, I think that in terms of, you gotta be doing something different you gotta have some staying power. But, uh, as of right now in the hunting industry, those are it on on YouTube. And and there's lots of TV shows that are going to go there. They're going to have to because TV's getting hacked. TV's in the outdoor. dead. TV's yeah. dead. TV's dead. It's, We've been saying that for 10 years. We need years, to just go ahead and – I would take my hat off, but I don't want to show my bald spot. I need to go ahead and take my hat off and just go ahead and pronounce it dead. If I had some beer, I'd pour it out for yeah. it. Bless it. So but it's yeah, gone. it's dead. But so there's a you know, handful of decent YouTube shows that are out there. There's lots of ones that get very little views to none. Um, other than YouTube – for six shows, what else is there? There's nothing. But it's the same thing we've said. Who's, who's times. coming? That's what I'm saying. Who's gonna Who's gonna fill those shoes like that old George? I was about to say. I, saw, I heard it in my head. <laughs> I like, who's gonna? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Who's gonna step up? Who's gonna be that Bill Dance? Who's gonna be that Roland Martin? Who's gonna be that next Michael Waddell? Who's gonna be? Lee, you know who's going to be those guys that step up and there's carry a couple. the ball. Let's, there's a couple. Like let's just say and Lee where? Ellis is, Creep, Chris B is. You know, there's there's a handful of them, but there's there's not enough not to carry the I, team. That's what I'm saying. I just don't see it. You know what I mean? I look at Dudley, and you know, I'm probably one of Dudley's biggest fanboys. Like in the shadows, like yeah. I watch everything he does. Like. That he showed the other day with that FOC stuff and shooting from a hundred yards. Oh, and, I gotta tell you a story about like, that in just a minute. I'm like, this. He called me fired slap up after he did that video. This, did somebody jump on him or did no. he bust somebody's ass? No, it was from oh. Tack. He's like, oh. he's like, pay attention. I'm about yeah. to get on some of these about folks. To, I'm like, about okay, to crush them. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's it. And that's the thing is like, yeah, when when you're right, you're right. Yeah, when you're the man, you're the man. And he and has time and, to. And pull. he's got the pedigree and the resume. That's, you cannot argue with it. No, and and you know if Dudley come up to me and said, "Hey Chuck, I'm gonna tell you something about a bow fishing boat." 
My God, I'm going to listen. Dudley might not ever bow fish for me a day in his life, but that son of a gun knows archery up and down. Mm-hmm. And he might not be right, but I bet you he's got a damn good idea about it yeah. because it's got a string and it shoots arrows. Mm-hmm. And it's just that is, like you said, that's his degree. It's archery. So, like him, who who's going to step up? You know, I mean, I'm not a, you know, I don't follow Levi, nice dude or whatever, but I don't see him spitting the information that Dudley spits out mm-hmm. there. There's nobody. So, like, when you look at archery, that's the first thing that pops in my mind, like, if I'm going to sit, if I'm scrolling through, you know, at night after the kids go to bed and, my, my, you know, I get in bed and I lay down and my wife says goodnight and I roll over and I'm scrolling through my phone trying to get tired, who am I, who am I stopping on? I see Dud shooting in his backyard at 100 yards. I'm like, heck's he doing? And then I see, you know, you know, he's, I, look, I read through the caption. It says, you know, I'm going to show you about this, these different, four different arrows. I'm like, hmm. Get these headphones and see what Tech Dud's talking about. You know what I mean? He faded next rated. What's he talking about? We so, see what Uncle Dud's so, talking about yeah, today. So next thing I know, I'm 45 minutes deep in it. I'm going to go out there and tinker with my bow in the garage. <laughs> that is the type of person I'm talking about we yeah. need in the industry. Yeah. And the reason I'm wanting to get up out of bed, leave my nice wife there, and go mess with my hunt stuff is because Dudley is an expert. Yeah. And what he said got me fired up. It hit my passion because he's so passionate about it. And that is what we need in the outdoor industry. We don't need, you know, I hate to say it, bikinis and boobs. Mm-hmm. That gets me fired up, but I don't want to go outside and play with my bow. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's, we've said it a million times. It's like. You play with something else. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wasn't gonna say it. Next week's episode, Chuck's divorced. Um, but no, um, <laughs> but that's. I think that is that passion we're talking about. And you know, last year, all of our partners. I mean, I know every one of their marketing guys got tired of hearing me say that word. But that's all I preached. I'm like, guys, we're headed down the toilet because everybody could see this on the horizon. Yeah. You know, they're like, we've had two stellar years and. What are we going to do to bounce back? You know, there's no way we can top what well, we've done. Well, I'm telling, I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to name names, but there's a certain Instafluencer chick who represented a certain brand that I know the owner of, and uh, he's no longer the owner. He's went and started another company. He's like, well, she was an influencer for us. And he's like, and she always did her obligations, everything she was supposed to do. And he's like, we got millions and millions and millions of impressions of her wearing our product. But I cannot point to one single sale that came from that. He's like, and it just got to the point where it's like, what value is there? Right. You know, and I know we've kind of came back to that, but I think we've got to figure out either we've got to figure out a better way of tracking who's buying what and seeing what's working, or we've got to we can't got to reinvent the wheel. We just got to think a little deeper. And I think it goes back to the passion thing. I think it goes back to subject matter experts. I think it goes back to Perception is reality. I think there's a lot of things that they're getting lost. Yes. You know, 100%. and I, I think that they're the white noise and the chase of we got to get it out there. We got to get it out there. We got to get it out there. Got to get because we've been that way too. Because I'm the guy that wants to get it out there. Ryder's the guy that wants to make sure it's right. Clay's in the middle. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's one of those things I've to where something for months. Right. So, but you know, <laughs> but it's one of those things to where we've we've created our own monster. Oh, 100%. we've created this monster that's like if you're not posting at least once a day, probably need to be twice a day. If you're not posting a YouTube video, and we've told people this, mm-hmm. if you're not posting a YouTube video a week, if you're not coming out with ten episodes on YouTube, 
or if you're not doing this, or you're not putting out this many stories, then you're irrelevant. It's not sustainable. Well, and I think what's interesting in our case, obviously, you know, we're we're the Redneck Tech Podcast, and I think I would consider us subject matter experts. Hundred um, percent. Obviously, you know, we're not Roger Deakins, but um, I don't know who that is. Me too. neither. I don't know who that is. We're not Should Christopher we? Nolan. Okay, I know All who right, that there is. There you go. All right. Kind of the and same, same, but different. Um, Roger Deakins. You don't know? No. Really. No. Wow. Okay. That's you. You do know, but you don't. Um, we, you know, we we've sat here and said, okay, you know, how do we reach more people? Where are we falling short? How can we provide more value to you guys? And so we go, okay, well, maybe we need to play a little bit more of this social media game. And I, you guys may have seen it. You know, we're trying to put more time into doing the reels and and staying consistent against with, all of our better judgments. Uh, yes, by the way. Um, doing, trying to do a podcast a week, trying, posting yeah. on Instagram and TikTok and putting out the YouTube videos. And, you know, we're doing all this while we're, I mean, I'm what, eight years deep in the industry. You're 11 years deep in the industry. We've been doing this a long time. And I look, I look at who, I look at who people ask camera and editing questions to. And oftentimes people will credit like if they do something they'll credit who helped them do that thing and i look at some of the people that they that are getting questions asked to them and who are getting these like oh thanks for the help with this that and the other i go that person has been doing it a year yeah they've been doing it two years oh i've never heard of that person what have they produced oh they have a instagram page yeah, they take you know they got followers, though, dog. You know, and so I'm looking at you've got all of these videographers and photographers and editors and people who've been working in this industry for ten years, and if you don't have the Instagram presence, you like people are not coming to you with their questions, and they're getting their information from people who don't have the experience, mm-hmm. you know, and simply because. Those, if you don't play the game, you're not, you're not getting the, the, uh, I don't know the the numbers. Mm-hmm. But that's that is that is what I feel is one of the biggest problems. And you said exactly what half to three quarters of the marketing people that I work with say. We need the numbers. Going back to what I said earlier, I don't want to reach everyone. Because 80% of America doesn't care about hunting. 10% hate it, 10% love it, but the other 80%, they're not going to go buy what Chuck Wilmore says buy. So I think that, you know, just going back to like the Huntresses and the, you know, do I want a bunch of thirsty dudes clicking on my daughter's picture, you know, in a bikini holding a bow? Or do I want a few dudes? clicking on my picture holding that bow with a dead deer and going and buying that bow what translates into sales and that's that's what i have to remember on my side of it is that my worth is only how much product i move off that shelf you know and when we're talking about peg space we're talking about these 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 companies that's how they're measuring your worth 
is how many broadheads are coming off that peg? How many knocks are coming off there? How many blinds are we selling? How many feeders are we selling because of this dude? If they can't justify what they're paying you off the product that comes off the shelf, you have a shelf life. And it doesn't matter, like you said, if you get 100,000 clicks on something and you're not selling even a T-shirt, sooner or later somebody's going to figure that out. You'd think. But we've all been sitting around just like we've all said for the last five years, TV's dead. I think we're fixing to figure out that this this whole system is broke and the people that are doing it are doing it wrong. In so what's the, net, what's the alternative? I don't what comes know. next? I don't know, but the AI... <laughs> the AI-generated influencers are fixing to put the shock and awe yeah. on sex sales. Yeah. That's coming. And I know AI is going to be making short, fat dudes just like me to sell stuff, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm already ahead of the curve on that. <laughs> you know, I got my calendar coming out, but I'm just saying. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you look at some of these AI models, and I'm like, dude, all they got to do is put a bow in her hand, and these dudes are going to be like, click, click, I like it, I like it. And it's a fake chick. Mm. It's probably going to be a fake boat. But how many companies are going to put their name on it? Because they get it for pennies on the dollar instead of paying a real hunt, instead of paying Tiffany mm. to, to you know, sit there and go hunt with their boat. But I don't know. I mean, we'll just have to kind of see. But it's just, it's a weird getting back on track. It's a weird time in the hunting industry over the last 10 years now. Well, I think we I think we could close it out with what I you, would like to make one more. Statement. Go ahead. Sorry. I would like to make a case for there being a separation between content that sells products and content that appeals and speaks to hunters. Yeah. I think that the reason a lot, uh, I think the reason that hunting TV was so successful for a long time is because, especially when it first came out, I'm sure. I wasn't there, but I can imagine um, from the stories that I hear of people is they there was finally a TV channel that was showing the people, the stories, the values that hunters held dear and wanted to see, right? Um, and there was finally an outlet for people to watch stories that appealed to them that they felt like they connected to and related to. This and opens up a whole nother can of worms. Yeah, and, and I'm sure you're, it does. you're opening up a whole nother a and, whole nother podcast right now with that. <laughs> and over time, I think, you know, that's been watered down and people no longer uh no longer feel like they're watching a story. They're no longer watching somebody with passion. They're getting sold to. Yes. And people hate being sold to. Yep. But yep. as T V dies there's a gaping hole. There already is a gaping hole, but I think that a lot of people don't necessarily see it because YouTube is there. And, um, you know, there's a few brands that are doing a good job of putting out branded story content that isn't 100% product-driven. But there's going to be a gaping hole that is not filled with anything that needs to be filled with storytelling for the sake of storytelling. For... um, hunters and outdoorsmen and uh, fishermen and all everybody who enjoys doing the things that we all enjoy to do to be able to tell the stories of that to 
other people who care about that. And until there's a, until a, a network comes comes along and says, "Hey, we'll pay you this product. We'll pay you guys, the production company, X amount of dollars to make a story because that story is good." Or until there's a streaming service that says, "We want to serve hunters and allow there to be a place where." These stories can I got the go service. I got be, that figured out already. Just got to get somebody to pay for it. Right. And But until that happens, there's going to be a gaping hole. And I think that we all need to be saying, how can we figure out how to urge the industry as a whole and hopefully encourage somebody somewhere to make that happen? Because I think that the first person to do that and the first the first company to reverse the funding model that the outdoor industry is operating on is going to make a lot of money but well let, let me play devil's it? advocate on that and this is why i said it this is opening up a whole nother can of worms the old saying with acceptance um with exposure comes acceptance was the hunting industry was the golden years of the hunting industry because it was the first time it had ever been done. Or was it because people were passionate about it and they watched it? Think before you answer. I don't know if I can answer that one. I think it's both. Okay. I think it's both because everybody loves something novel and new. Um, Up to that point, it was just VHS tapes. Um, And then you have shows that come out that were on TNN, that were on ESPN back in the day, mm-hmm. that were genuine, you know, passionate guys, subject matter experts only doing shows. And I think that that not only moved the needle for the companies that were involved, but showed people in the in the industry and outside that there's a whole new world, there's new ways to do things. I would say it was more... I don't know. I, I think it'd be pretty split evenly. That's, that's that's my thing. Is that I think it's a fifty fifty split. And the, the example I would use is we just shot carp with a freaking twelve gauge shotgun in the face. Mm-hmm. Why did I do that? It's because people are going to go mad. Mm-hmm. It's never been shown before. That's why we did it. That's why I've been trying to get it to where we could do it. Why did I do that? Is do I think that there's a passionate following across the United States of people that love to hunt? Flying cart with a shotgun? No. But there's a lot of guys that's going to find an entertainment value in that because it's new. Mm-hmm. But is it going to be worth the crap three years from now after everybody and their brother goes and does it? We had the same novelty when bow fishing first came out, you know, before it was flooded, before Dude, everywhere. I can tell you the first bow fishing video I watched, and I was in amazement. I'm like, yes. what? I'll never yes. forget it. I couldn't tell you who it was, but I can show you. I want to say it was on like Gunnersville or something, but it was like crystal clear water and whoever was shooting, I ain't never seen so many fish shot in my mm-hmm. life. And dude was putting on a clinic. Yeah. Dark yep. headed guy, big, tall, dark headed guy. Yeah. That was me before I got sick. <laughs> um, but, but what I'm saying is, is same thing with, yeah. with, with hunting and outdoor TV in general. I think that people just were like, okay, okay. Bill dance is in a private pond. Well, that's cool. He's still catching eight pounders, mm-hmm. 
But then after five years of Bill Dance being in a private pond catching eight pounders, I went, wait a damn minute. <laughs> Bill Dance is in a private pond, daddy. <laughs> I ain't never going to catch no fish. It don't matter if I got to dance in it or not. That's like those pictures I, we sent from JP's spot. Yes. I sit in my buddies that are bass fishermen and hold up a you know, seven, eight pounder. They're like, dude, where'd you catch that at? I'm like, well, no, well don't worry it. about that, dog. I can remember the day like it was yesterday. It was like somebody just pulled the sheet off my head. I'm like, well, what? I bought all them lures and, and he sent me an autograph tonight. I ain't never going to catch that. <laughs> and I was done with it. Yeah. I still love him to death, but yeah. I was like, I felt like I'd been lied to. You had been lied to. And it's just like all these people, like you said, mm -hmm. in the past that's killed all this big stuff. And then all of a sudden people find out like, oh, well, I ain't got a chance in hell to shoot. Oh, like dude, that. I used to, I told and somebody. I think they lose I interest. Broke, I broke somebody's that. heart the other day. They were talking about the Primos videos and those bull, huge bulls in Colorado come in screaming. I'm like, yeah, they killed those on the hill ranch. Yeah. They're like, what? Yeah. So yeah, those are on the hill ranch. It's like eighty thousand acres in southern Colorado. The best of the best. I was like, it's the best place you'll ever go. And they're like, Well, I thought they were I'm like, No, dog. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, no dog. Yeah, on they're the on some of the most primo of primo. Yeah, it is primo. That's <laughs> yeah. that primo ground. Yeah. But I do think And I love it. Yeah. I do think two things to say to that. One, I think media always will allow people to go and do Things they'd never have access to. That's mm -hmm. why people watch the movies we watch. True story. That's why Make people believe. watch right. the they, TV shows they want because yeah, I'm not going to get to go to Mars. But right. I like to watch the movie about mm -hmm. Mars because it's an escape. It's a story. It entertains me. And it allows me to experience, if it's done well, something that I wouldn't get to experience. On, on the topic of novelty, I think you're right in terms of you know, when things become not new anymore, wore out, people stop watching them. Mm -hmm. But that's the life cycle of any TV show. Right. That's the life cycle of anything. And I think it's the job of storytellers to find new stories, to find new ways of telling that story. We had a podcast. We talked. There's only so many stories you, as a human, can tell. They all generally are the same stories, right? But we continue to want to consume those stories for, um, because humans love stories, just what we like, mm -hmm. right? And so, I think that yes, th now it's no longer new that hunting is being filmed and it's being shown and it's on the TV, it's on YouTube, it's on wherever, right? That's not new. So you don't have the novelty of it's just a new thing, right? So now all of us here who are involved in telling those stories have to step up and tell better stories and tell new stories and tell them in a new way. And if there is a network or an avenue that incentivizes that, you'll continue to have things that will blow people's mind. Right. As soon as you don't have that, then, yeah, everything goes stale. And that's where we're going right now. And, the reason, and the reason it's all back. stale is because, well, at the end of the day, you don't need this big, huge, fancy story to sell a broadhead, right? Right. You just need a broadhead going through a real big deer, mm -hmm. right? So that's the same story over and over, and people are like, okay, that's enough of that. But my and my argument is you put the – well, who who's making that broadhead? Is the guy sitting there sharpening that broadhead, or 
popping that feral out of the machine. Is that guy going hunting with that broadhead this weekend because he truly believes in that and that's his passion? You know what I mean? Is that is that why he goes and works for Rage? Is because he he loves he he wants somehow to be connected with the outdoor industry and he found out you know he was a machinist making brake pads and then next week he found out rage was hiring and he's like hey i love deer hunting i want to go over there and work for these guys because i want to be part of this machine that's the outdoor industry in some form or fashion that's what i think is going to sell is when you go to that guy and you get his story and then you get his rage moment or story whatever you might want to call it and people put that connection of that passion with that product. But I think we've got so far away from people having passion that we don't care about the product as much. You know what I mean? It's like whatever's cheaper because it doesn't matter anymore. It's just this is going to do the same job as that. Well, if they're both $29.99, I want to go with the one that, that I feel some type of connection to. Yeah, And I think we're both on the same page of like, Who's going to step up and who's going to be the hub, the content hub that tells those passionate stories that people sit around and talk about and say, hey, did you see that? You know, how did, you know, not, not necessarily how did you feel or, or what, but just what did you think about this or what did you think whenever they did that or, you know what I mean? That's the things that I think as a content creator, you want to aspire to tell people. So they go tell somebody else. You know what I mean? I still, I'm a still firm believer in word of mouth. I mean, even my plumbing business. 100%. You know, I mean, I tell people all the time, the best money I ever spent was shaking hands and, you know, kissing babies. I mean, and giving people deals. That's the best. That's how I spent my money. It wasn't, you know, I went to work during the recession for a, a local plumbing company there. And I'll never forget, I sat down with the, the, the lady there. And it was the marketing lady for the plumbing company. And she's like, so, you know, what? What, what did you do for advertising and how much money, you know, how much of your budget did you spend on advertising? And I said, oh, about 10%. She's like, <clears throat> I'm like, you know, she's like, well, you know, you know, we spend anywhere from 30% and, you know, down. And I'm like, okay. And, and I'm like, okay. And, you know, and she's like, well, why do you think that you didn't have to spend any more than that? You know, to, to be, I'm like, cause I didn't rip people off. Mm-hmm. They told their family about me. They told their friends about me. I didn't have to go spend $60,000 on billboards every week. Yeah. You know, I didn't have to do that. And, you know, until the recession hit. And and I think that kind of carries over into all these things. Like I said, at the end of the day, in my mind, I got to move product. But I don't want to just move pieces of junk. I want to move something that people have a type of connection to. You know, it's like me. Like, when I pick up my freaking bow, you know, like, when I go bow fishing, like, I got something. I got something with that boat. Like this, is my baby. You know what I mean? Like me and her's been a long time. You know, and and we've killed a lot of stuff together. And it's like, I believe in that boat. Like to a sense, to a sense of, I don't care if somebody else wanted to pay me more. I mean, heck, the first year we did TV, I worked with Mission, and it killed me to shoot a freaking Mission boat. I shot a night of my whole freaking life, but you know. Money talks and BS walks. When we were trying to make enough money to pay the uh, airtime. airtime, Brian come up and said, hey, Mission's going to give us $15,000 to shoot these bows. I'm like, that's a no for me, dog. And he's like, that's fifteen grand. i am like, yeah, I guess we will. You know, because, I mean, we didn't have no choice. But at that, at that same time, you'll never go find a video clip of me saying, this is the best bow on the market. You'll find plenty of me saying, hey, you can kill fish with this bow. You can, but it ain't the best one. You know, and I'll say that a lot of times. And Did y'all cover airtime first year? 
Yes. You did? Yes, we Dang, did. Dang, that's, that's rare. Yeah, we did, and but we didn't make a dime more. Yeah. I mean, we covered, but you know how much money we spent. Each of us spent so much money. Yeah. You know, um, going in the hole, but it was fun. It's but, not like the millions we made with the habit. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I don't know. I think, you know, some of the conversations I've had with some people recently, I know they're working on some stuff, and, and there might be some – opportunity for what you're talking about coming down the pipe to where someone's going to step up and say this is missing in the hunt country. but i want to play devil's advocate because i want that to happen right. i want it i want a streaming service mm-hmm. that is dedicated to passion and, and great well-done stories in the hunting space the outdoor adventure space it doesn't just have to be hunting i, I want that i Very, personally would love for that to not be on a hunting streaming service yeah no i want it to be on netflix and hulu but yeah you know that's but a political i'm, conversation. I'm fine i'm fine with wherever it lands i just want somebody to bring value in it but let's just say for the sake of argument it's its own platform it's xyz outdoor adventure streaming plus whatever gotta add the plus in there gotta add the plus in there. it's always a plus oh. so <laughs> that's the service that's got you know documentaries hunting fishing camping hiking biking anything you can do outside cool will people pay for it i don't think they will i don't think they will i I don't think it's going to be something you can charge for i think you're going to have to make the money on the back door i think whoever comes up with it is going to have to have a revenue stream over here that's complemented by this machine over here that's the only way it's going to work. Like, like, like explain the machine over here. Put me on the spot here. Oh, sorry, dog. I would say you Give have to have a plan. machine that made money off of hunting. Oh, off okay. Fishing, off of outdoor adventure. I got off you. Off of coolers. Yeah. Off of boats. Mm-hmm. Off of beef jerky. Like a Midway USA or a Bass Pro or somebody like that that has the vested interest in making the money here. Providing the content here so they tie back together. Exactly. Gotcha. To where it is a Red Bull. Mm-hmm. To where there's one, this is presented by this, this. let's just theoretically say Bass Pro. Mm-hmm. Say Bass Pro wanted to say, we're going to have this streaming service. And, and I don't know this. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. hypothetically, I can see someone like that doing it, a legacy brand like that. Yeah. I don't see a Faradine. I don't see a Vista. I don't see I can a, see Meat Eater doing something like that. I what about see, a private investor? I don't Do you s- think it has to come no, from a company? I, it would have to because they're going to have to feed it somehow. I and feel they're like gonna people have to, would pay. But I they're going like to have to justify that cost. I don't think they'd pay. It's just like modeling. Aren't people paying for Meat Eater? Isn't there an no, exclusive? No, I think it's on. Uh, I think you can just watch them on their show now, or their, the website. About to check. But it's just like we started out saying this. There's so many. Season 11. Let me see if you have to pay for it. No, looks like you can just watch it. There's so many pieces of content out there on the 30 different platforms that I think people will get their fix, and they're not going to pay three ninety five a month or whatever for it. So the money is going to have to come from complementing something else. You know, and I and I think that's the only way that it's ever going to happen. Because let's let's face it, it's going to take money. Yeah, this is season six. They're locked. Oh, there down. it is. See, they're locked. What does that mean? I don't know. Sign in to watch. Okay, so maybe you got to. Let me see. So I have. To, I guess maybe I have to have an account. Let's just see. Do this. Let's just sign in with Google and see what it does. Stealing all my stuff. And Caleb's hacked. <laughs> Newsletter. 
<clears throat> don't want newsletters. Okay. And there's products everywhere. They're everywhere. That's it. They're everywhere. All right. Oh, that was it, wasn't it? All right, so I'm signed in. Here's season 11. This was a locked one. Let me see if it'll just – I got my volume turned down. Yeah, I think it's just – there's an ad at the very beginning. That's always a good sign. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like it's just going to let me watch it. The 30-second ad I have to watch at the beginning for on X, of course. Of course. I gotta tell you what I, how I feel about them at the moment. It's a whole nother podcast. Easy. Hadn't gotten hadn't gotten around to getting a full mat on for that one yet. It's a cool ad though. Good I mean, ad. even if it was ad supported. No, here it is. Thirty two minutes long. It's gonna let me watch it. All I had to do was sign into their thing. I mean, even if even if it was ad supported, you know. But like as I scroll down quarter of a page, it's all the products that Meat Eater owns. And work with or for sale right underneath it. Gear Let's we see use. see that again. Now it's just the same thing. Yeah. That products, product, that product. I that I think is preventing a lot of the stories from being told. Yeah. Because unless you've got the connections or the ability to, you know, pay for the entire production of that thing through sponsorships or your own products. You're not going to be able to tell that story. And then but, those products, you're beholden to those products in the storytelling process, which, you know, introduces. But uh, that's why I'm saying it's going to take somebody massive. Someone, because Walmart's not going to step up and do it. No. You know what I'm saying? Dicks, they sure as the hell ain't going to do it. They're scared to death already of the hunting world and the shooting world. Um Academy, they're not even the same ballpark. They're a balling club. So who's going to st- who who would step up and do it? Mossy Oak started to. Mossy Oak had a great run at it. You know, Mossy Oak goes still very impressive. If you go to their service and look on there, um, you know, we had a good run with Mossy Oak. Love those guys, and they started out making a killer killer hub. You know, and I thought this is it. These guys jumped ahead of the curve here, and, th- and this is going to be the content hub for the outdoors. And then all of a sudden it was just like, er. once Google started throttling back all their stuff, you know, because of the hunting, they backed away from it. It's like they just, they pumped the brakes. And did they have an app? Yes. Yes, yes they did. It was a Vimeo, and the Vimeo OTT apps, all it was. Hmm. I mean, me and you can make one. Hmm. It's a Vimeo OTT over the something. Yeah. yeah, you just sign up for it. It's just a service and you oh. just rebrand it for whatever you want. Interesting. Pump it out there. Yeah, but it was it was interesting. You know, it was great. I mean, a lot of awesome, and they still had a lot of good content on there. But, like I said, I think, you know, when you look at what did they benefit from it, they only had that one thing. You know what I mean? They had the, the Mossy Oak camouflage. Mm-hmm. They wasn't benefiting from boat sales. They wasn't benefiting from gun sales. They wasn't benefiting from fishing rod sales, you know, or selling beef jerky. I use that because I just, I just think about – a monster like Bass Pro being the only person that could possibly pull that off. And, and if, they and if would, it is going to be a company, I think for it to be the service that that would allow the freedom, they've got to sell every brand. Yeah. Almost every brand, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, the thing with the Mossy Oak is like, okay, well. Yeah, they're not going to let only you on film, there Sitka. You can only film people who wear Mossy Oak. Right, 100%. So either you got to give everybody – 
that you're filming Mossy Oak, which is not going to happen, yeah. or you can only find stories that's covered that, in Mossy Oak. that yes. cover in Mossy Oak, which there's a lot of stories of from people who wear Mossy Oak, but there's a lot of stories of people who don't wear Mossy exactly. Oak. Exactly. You know, and I think the moment that the moment that you put somebody in in a product that they wouldn't generally use, you know, yeah, you now you've ruined a lot of the right. authenticity. You know. Well, the good thing for the hunting industry is we have a we have a uh, a palette you could say to follow, and I always say we can we can look at the fishing industry and and you can watch things happen in the hunting sphere that happened five ten years ago in the fishing industry. You're already seeing it happen now with private equity coming in and gobbling up all these small companies. Yeah. Well, what's what's to say? In terms of platforms, not to cut you off, like I just replied to a message, uh, you know, with Elon Musk's, you know, rebrand of Twitter with X, and now he's got, um, what's his name, doing a... Uh, Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson doing a, a straight-up news show mm-hmm. directly on the app. What's to say something like that couldn't turn into a Hulu, Google, something like that, and he's got the bandwidth, he's got the money, he's got... And he's, which in his own words, he said the only company that he's afraid of is Google. Mm-hmm. Everybody's afraid of Google. Yep. They control the world. Um, so what's to say something like that doesn't take precedent? Start putting shows there. It could. It could. But I, I think, think it's, go ahead. I mean, you're just continuing, just till the end of time, you're continually going to chase. Mm-hmm. The new thing. God, that's you know, the worst part about this job is chasing. Just chasing all the time, chasing something. Used to be movies, and then it was TV, and then after TV, it was social media or streaming, and then social media and YouTube, and it's like you just continually are always chasing. Right. I mean, we saw the thing, rise of Netflix. To, I don't know about the fall of Netflix, but it's definitely on the downhill. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ryder was talking about the other day about you know how they just aren't what they used to be. They're just not putting out good stories, not great production. Um, well, Netflix is and, and then everybody else figured out, and ABC, NBC, CBS, everybody's like, we can do what they did. Mm-hmm. We can take everything off their platform, put it on ours. You know, you got to have a subscription service to watch it here. We're creating great stories too. So the model's there, because it was, I remember when Netflix came out, I'm like, oh my gosh, so $9.99 a month, I can watch everything I want, I can get rid of this dish. Heck yeah. yeah. Sign me up. And then it went was re- getting, had a really good run for a couple of years there, and then now it's like, I can't find nothing I want to watch on Netflix. Right. So, Much well, Netflix is Netflix is has fallen prey to the the same thing that I think all of us feel all the time is you know they're feeding the corporate beast. greed. Oh yeah. Oh true. sorry. <laughs> Did that come out? <laughs> they're they're feeding the beast, right? They they were like one, they're hemorrhaging content and so as a platform that needs to have content that people want to watch for them to pay for it they they're going okay well we need content 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 so they've got x amount of dollars well they don't magically get more dollars so now they have to split it between you know all these new netflix originals instead of like when they first made those netflix originals it was like they made that one and that one and that one and if you saw the little N on there, you're like, oh, that's about to be good. That's yeah, going to be good. That's going to be some good stuff. And now I see the N, I'm like, mm, I'm going to just find something from regular TV. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, because they've had, they've had to 
forego quality for quantity. Well, do you know you know they were you know they were in dire straits when they started really cracking down on people sharing passwords because mm-hmm. they're like you know we're gonna have to we got to get this revenue back up somehow. It's like yeah. there's people sharing passwords. We're gonna give them a certain amount of devices, and after that, you got to pay for it. Mm-hmm. You know, and then it happened to happened to us. My mom was mooching off of ours, and it cut her off. Sorry, mom. <laughs> Sorry about your luck. You know, it's hard in these streets. I know it's tough, but. We've been talking for an hour and a half. We'll wrap this up. We'll keep going. Wrap it up. Y'all want to wrap it up? I mean, I'm good. I just know you got to go about, go back through Atlanta. It's a 624 now. You're good now. Yeah, we yeah, all blazed through there like an 85. <laughs> <laughs> Both <laughs> ARs out the window. Woo! <laughs> 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 Went crazy. Probably put on my plate carrier, too, just to add to it. Just in case. Just in case stuff jumps off. Yeah. Just get south yeah. of the airport. Just no. gas is on the right. Yeah. Um. Yeah, no, I think that there's, I mean, this is a conversation that could literally go days. for days. Yeah, but I think it, I think we talked about a lot of stuff I wanted to talk about, but I think the really the big takeaway is we got to get passion back. There's got, there's, there's a vacuum that's happening that we got to figure out where it's going and short form content right now is king, you know, and that's yep. not what we want, but right now that's what it is. I want people to be vocal. Mm-hmm. I want people to be vocal. I don't, so many people are mediocre nowadays and don't say what they feel. They go with the flow. You know, I want people to say, you know what? I like that guy because of X, Y, Z. I don't like that guy because of Or I don't like that guy because X, Y, Z. It's okay not to like somebody because of this or, you know what I mean? And it, at the end of the day, it's entertainment. If you're not entertained by somebody, don't watch them. Or if you're not entertained by someone because you don't think they're real, don't watch them. Or if you just don't like somebody, you don't have to. And I mm. think that's the thing that, like, a lot of us don't want to be confrontational and say, well, that guy's a joke. You know what I mean? He's doing it for all the wrong reasons and blah, blah, blah. You know, and it's not because you're slamming somebody, but you're just like, wait a minute. This dude's never hunted a day in his life, and now all of a sudden he's a subject matter expert, and he's out here trying to, he's out here trying to tell Dudley how to freaking – FOC, you know, what a FOC needs to have and all mm-hmm. that. And you're just sitting there going, someone needs to tell this guy. Yeah. You know, if he don't have any close enough friends to pick up, grab him by the shirt and say, no, nah, this ain't the guy you want to tell about all that. He knows what's going on. <laughs> somebody needs to step on the internet and say, hey, bud, this is not the guy yeah. you want to tell about that. Yeah. And I think we need more of that. You know, not saying bully people. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think bullying is good get, sometimes. People just don't get checked. And when they call, you know, nobody calls BS on a lot of people anymore. Yeah. And I think maybe that's what we need. Yeah. Take that away from this, kids. <laughs> I don't know. There's some there's some instances kids need to be bullied a little bit. Just saying. There's some kid there's some things that happen to kids now. They've been bullied a little bit, they wouldn't do some dumb stuff. I was bullied and everybody was bullied at some point. Made me a better person. Maybe you're just a weak person. Sorry. I'm not saying be a bully all the time. I don't think that's right, but I mean I bully you all the time. You bully me back. I and think Chuck bullies me all the time. You can't grow up a ginger or not. <laughs> like it's just the, it's, if you, it's hard if you grow up a, if, if you grow up a ginger and you don't figure out have some tough skin about it, right? Then you're just gonna be scared your whole life. Right. <laughs> so, you know that's why there's that's why there's maybe some quiet gingers. Yeah. Because they never figured out how to how to Give deal it right with back. that. Right. But then that's it. All the other gingers are like say something. Say right. it. Yeah. Come on. Let's all right. hear it. That's all I got. All right, guys. Peace. See you.